Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I'm with you today taking your calls and texts live on the air. This is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible or anything going on in your life. If you have a prayer request or something you'd like to talk through, we'd love to talk with you and uh, pray for you and hopefully answer some of those questions you have. Give us a call. The number is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Once again, the text line is 720-336-0897. Here at the beginning of the show is usually one of the best times to get through if you've uh, been wanting to get on or ask that question that you've had on your mind for so long about the Bible. Do give us a call. We'd love to hear from you. And here at the beginning of the show, definitely one of the best times to call in as we wait for those lines to fill up. Again, the number is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or text us, 720-336-0897. Nine, seven. We want to welcome everybody who's tuning in here on Grace FM, uh, airing up and down the front range of Colorado into Wyoming, like Cheyenne, Wyoming, all the way down to Pueblo, Colorado is our broadcast range here. And you are hearing the show live, but we also want to welcome those who are listening on our syndicated networks on the East Coast on Hope FM, which is in Pennsylvania, into New Jersey and Maryland. And we are also uh, glad to be syndicated on Truth FM in Tennessee and parts of North Carolina and Kentucky. Welcome to the program, however you've tuned in today. Just a reminder that those of you on the East Coast and the area around Tennessee, you're hearing the program on a one-week delay. So just keep that in mind when you call, but we still would love for you to call in and you get the opportunity then to tune in the following week and listen to yourself on the radio, which is cool. Um, You know, it's a funny thing when you hear yourself on the radio. I just read this thing on Twitter that kind of resonated with me because so I'm on the I'm on the radio here on Grace FM a couple times a week and recorded shows and stuff. And so this Twitter thing, it said, um, when I hear myself on a recording, I wonder how is it that I have any friends at all? And uh, and I can relate to that. So uh, maybe there's some of you uh, on the East Coast. You get the opportunity to tell your friends to tune in and you get to hear yourself on the radio if you call us this week then tune in next week but those of you on grace FM, you're here in the program live and um we also just remind you that you can also get our uh, mobile app and you can tune in on our website and so we know there's so many who do this even just this past week i hosted on monday as well and i got some messages from people who listen in florida so if you are listening in Florida, we also know that we have listeners in California, Minnesota, Arizona, Washington State. We're so glad that you're tuning in to the program, and we know that you do it through the mobile app. So if there's any of you out there who don't have that, share that with your friends, you know, wherever they might be. If they're looking for a place that has good Bible teaching um, that they can just listen to as they're doing their 
uh, routine or whatever it is that they're doing, tell them to get this app. So Grace FM, just go in your app store or whatever, um, you know, the Google Play or the Apple App Store, and you can go in there, just type in Grace FM, it'll come right up, put it on your phone, and you can listen live to this program and all the other great programs on Grace FM. And you can always go to the website as well, gracefm.com, and just click the Listen Now button, and you'll be able to do that. So the number to call, 303-690-3000, 303-690-3000, or text us, 720-336-0897. Lines are filling up, but we'd love to answer those questions you have about the Bible or the prayer requests that you have. We'd love to pray for you. Um, so just a few words about myself. I host every Monday. I'm filling in today. Today's Wednesday, and I'm filling in today for Pastor Ed Taylor, and he is down in Colorado Springs this evening, and uh, he'll be filling in for Pastor Eric Cartier, who some of you who listen to this program know that he was one of our hosts as well. Um, so Pastor Ed will be down in Colorado Springs. If you are listening in Colorado Springs area, maybe check him out tonight over at Rocky Mountain Calvary. Uh, Rocky Mountain Calvary there in Colorado Springs. So again, a few words about myself. I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church, which is located in Longmont, Colorado. And uh, if any of you out there are in the Longmont area or you know people in this area, we would love it if you would come worship with us and join in in what God's doing here at Whitefields Community Church in Longmont. Uh, I've been the pastor here now for seven years. Just uh, hit that seven-year mark, I think, yesterday. Uh, around there, somewhere, oh, actually maybe a little bit earlier, but I hit that seven-year mark just recently and uh, have loved being the pastor of this church and uh, continue to enjoy it. Just really great people who come with open hearts and just seeking God. So it's been a, a great joy to be the pastor and continue to be the pastor here at Whitefields, and we'd love for you to be a part of what God's doing. So check us out online. Our website is whitefieldschurch.com. That's whitefieldschurch.com. Dot com, And you can also hear me every weekday at 2.30 p.m. here on Grace FM on our show called Life in the Field, which are sermons from Whitefields cut for the radio. So it's 2.30 p.m. every weekday and also Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. So if for some reason you are not able to make it to church, then definitely tune in to Grace FM on Sunday morning at 10 a.m. and you'll hear our messages on there. Our church is located in downtown Longmont uh, at the St. Vrain Memorial Building, which those in the Longmont area might be familiar with. It's really kind of a hub for a lot of things that happen in downtown Longmont. We're just one block west of Main Street on Longs Peak Avenue, at, right at the corner of Longs Peak and Kaufman. So Longs Peak Avenue and Kaufman Street, we're right on the northwest corner, which is just on the edge of Roosevelt Park, and the address is 700 Longs Peak Avenue. And usually our services are at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings, but on Easter, we're doing two services. So this coming Sunday, we would love to have you join us for Easter as we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus, our living hope that we have in him. We're going to have services at 845 and 1030. So if you show up at 10, that'll be good. You still get to just uh, hang out, grab a cup of coffee, and uh, you'll be a few minutes early. But 8.45 and 10.30 a.m. this coming Sunday, we're celebrating the resurrection at Whitefields. Um, I'm excited I'm going to be teaching a text which I haven't ever taught for Easter before. I'll be teaching from Acts chapter 13, which is Paul's first sermon, but there's just wonderful, and I guess I never really thought of this as an Easter text, but it is a perfect Easter text. It talks about the crucifixion according to the scriptures. It talks about Jesus' resurrection and what his resurrection means for us. Paul lays it out there in Acts chapter 13. So we're just going to go through that text verse by verse, and then we're going to talk about why we 
need a resurrection ourselves. So um, one last thing, and then we'll go to our callers. We have all full lines, which is great. Um, one last thing. For those of you in the Longmont area, I want you to know about this. We are doing a Easter outreach. It's the largest of its kind in Boulder County. Uh, it's tomorrow, April 20th. I'm sorry, not tomorrow. It's Saturday, April 20th. I'm getting ahead of myself, aren't I? Um, Saturday, April 20th, this coming Saturday. Um, and it is, we, we're expecting a couple thousand people in the park here in Longmont, the uh, Roosevelt Park, which is our city park downtown. It's right adjacent to our church building. And... Um, we have bounce houses, face painting. We have lots of ways that we're sharing the gospel with the community. So those of you who are believers, we encourage you to bring out your friends, bring out your neighbors, um, and the kids will have a great time, but they'll also hear the good news about Jesus Christ. So that is this, su this Saturday, April 20th, uh, from 10 a.m. to 11.30 a.m. And Grace FM is going to be there. They're going to have a booth, and they're going to be handing out of t-shirts and stickers and all kinds of free stuff and you'll get to meet some of the people behind the booth it's going to be really great so join us for that that's this saturday april 20th in roosevelt park in downtown longmont all right let's go to our callers let's go to uh carlos in denver colorado hi carlos welcome to the program yes hello um well i was calling because um i have a co-worker that I just met not too long ago mm -hmm. and he and he, he came up to me and he's oh i'm christian and i'm like oh cool i'm christian too but then he told me that he that he got baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit of the Mother. I'm sorry, you, so he, he got baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy no, Mother? No, not me, him. Oh, yes, I understand that. So the Father, and, Son, um, and the Holy Mother? Yes. Interesting. Yeah, and their church is up in Greeley, and they have one over here in Aurora. But they, they believe um, in this guy that supposedly that's the second coming of, of God already came, and his name is An San Hon, that he's in Korea, and he had died already. Mm. I don't know if you heard anything about that lately. Well, I'm not sure if that's the same one I've heard of. I've heard of like three or four of these uh, Korean groups. You know, here's the thing. I don't want to—I mean, there are a lot of really great Korean churches out there. And, uh, and, you know, there's a great Korean missionary movement. They're one of the largest sending countries of missionaries throughout the world. However, there are also, uh, you know, a lot of weird things um, that have come out of Korea. Um, let me just check this uh, name you gave me. So, okay, tell me the name of the leader. And his, name, his name is An San Hon. I don't know how you saw it, but it's, it's oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And... No, no, that's the exact guy that I that I've written about. So I, I had somebody from my church, um, who contacted me, uh, maybe last year, and said that she was in a park here in Longmont, and that somebody came up to her that they're trying to start one of these in Boulder and have a Longmont group as well, and tried they were trying to recruit in the park here in Longmont, and yeah, so that's the guy's name, An Song Hong, and um. And the church is called the Worldwide Mission Society Church of God, which yeah. is not not the most catchy name. Let's just say that. Uh, but uh, yeah, so it's a, it's an interesting thing. They have a lot of strange beliefs. So let's just go through some of those. Yeah, you're absolutely right. They believe in God the Father and God the Mother. And like you said, exactly, that An Sang Hung, uh, who is deceased, was the reincarnation of Jesus Christ. And... Um, and his wife, who, by the way, is still alive, is considered the incarnation of God the Mother. Yes, and that they're going to get married when God comes back. When... Yeah. 
Uh, and so she is called the Bride of Christ because she was the literal bride of An Sang Hung, who they believed to be the reincarnation of Christ. In fact, mm -hmm. they refer to him as Christ An Sang Hung. Yes. Uh, they believe he's the Holy Spirit, and they baptize people in the name of the Father, Son, and and sometimes, I guess, An Sang Hung. And, uh, man, that just makes me sick to even think about it. Um, they have a lot of other crazy beliefs that I could go into as well. Um, yeah, and so, let's see, they have 3,000 churches around the world, most of which are not even in Korea. And um, so how do we respond to them? Uh, well, let me just go through a few things about how I would say to respond. The number one thing I would say is this. Um, first of all, their, their doctrine isn't based on the scriptures. So there's, there's that. I mean, it contradicts the scriptures. It's a twisting of everything in the scriptures. But beyond that, let's start at a more fundamental level. We would say that their salvation that they promise is one of salvation by works not of salvation by grace. And I, I always bring people back to this because whether we're talking about um, very well-established ancient religions uh, that are not Christian or whether we're talking about, you know, pseudo-Christian cults is which, what I would categorize this group as, um, the issue is always the same. This is what makes Christianity unique amongst world religions, amongst all philosophies and all groups in history and currently, is that Christianity teaches salvation by grace alone, received through faith alone, uh, apart from works, so that no one can boast. It's God's work on our behalf, which we receive by faith. It's not our work of working our way or earning our salvation. So that's, that's a really big deal. Um, the other thing is that, so the way you're saved in their schema is that... Um, you know, salvation is something you earn. Uh, you have to do all of these things, follow all these rules. And again, um, here's the other thing about the return of Jesus. I mean, Jesus said that when he would return, he would come to judge the living and the dead. Um, you know, what's interesting is, so I wrote a, an article about this on my website. And I've been contacted as a result of that article by several people who've said, hey, my, my daughter or my son is caught up with this group and just... You know, one of the things they do is very, you know, common with cults is that they try to separate people from their families. And that should always be like the first red flag, you know, um, is that, uh, that they want to separate you from uh, everyone you know. They want to separate you from your family. Whereas what I see with the gospel, you know, you see that people were called apart to Christ. Yes, but then guess what? They were sent back into their villages, into their homes, the place where they were from to be um, witnesses, starting with their family. I mean, I think about the fact that Jesus, um, his brothers, his half-brothers didn't follow him during the time that he was alive, but then they did after they became leaders in the church. You know, they did. And uh, that shows me that Jesus' witness was most powerful even at home. So anyway, those are just some thoughts. What um, Were there any particular questions you had, Carlos? So, like... I'm trying to reach out to him, like, like, uh, like, open his mind. Yeah. And I, and I showed him a bunch of scriptures, and I even showed him where does it say gods? Where does it say, oh, there's, there's gods that made Adam and Eve? You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and I show him, but then he gets offended, like really bad, and then I, I'm okay. Never mind. Just cool down. But like, I'm, I'm trying to reach him because like he's um 
I think he's like a, a um, like a pastor or or, or preacher over okay. up up there in Greeley. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I, I'm just trying to find a way how to reach him, so he could like be like a good, um, pretty much like like turn them around, like everyone he brought in to over there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So there, you know, what I would shoot for is a couple things. First of all, maybe you would help him to see why you're trying to do this. I think, you know, James chapter five, the last two verses of James are really important. They say, (coughs) excuse me, if anyone wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and cover over a multitude of sins. And so, um, you know, explain to him that, hey, if I didn't care about you, I wouldn't be talking to you. I'm not saying these things to offend you. I'm saying these things because I'm legitimately worried about you. And the next thing I would I would level with him on or, or relate to him on is the question of, you know, why does he believe this is true? Like, why? what was the impetus for believing that this is true when everything in the world, uh, every other Christian group in the world says that this is not true? And, you know, we have 2,000 years of Christian history and nobody's ever said anything like this. So are they saying that for 2,000 years since Jesus, everybody's been completely wrong? And would would God allow something like that to happen? Is that even logical? You know, so I would I would level with him on those levels. And then, you know, I would go to ask him, what what does he believe is the ultimate authority? Does he believe that Scripture is the ultimate authority? Because if so then you guys can have some discussions about Scripture. But if he doesn't believe that Scripture is the ultimate authority, if he believes that this other person is, well, then I would, mm-hmm. I would question, why do you believe that? You know, what's the basis for your belief? Because unless you guys can come to some agreement on what is the standard of truth, it's really hard to have any kind of meaningful discussion. Yeah, because when I was following him, talking to him with Bible scriptures, then he kept going like, Oh, it shows this in the Old Testament, and then he was telling me, how do you know that Jesus Christ is Jesus Christ in the Old Testament? And I showed him, but um, it's like, um, what can I say? He, he gets, like, he like he gets mad for hype, hype mad at the same time. So, like, yeah. we, we were talking and everything, and that's um, I told him, okay, I, you, uh, you believe in Aung San that he's Jesus, that he's the reincarnation of Jesus Christ, right? And then he said, yeah, and I said, okay. And I, I just, I don't know if I was being, like, a smart about it or, like, like a little rude or not. But then I told him, is, is uh, An Sang Hoon still in his grave? And then he said, yeah. And I said, is Jesus Christ still in his tomb? And, and he said, no. And I'm like, then explain that to me. Yeah. And I don't know. I don't know. Was I being rude or? I don't think I don't that's know. being rude. I mean, yeah, you know, he he's going to feel threatened. And and especially, you know, if he doesn't have an answer to what you're saying, of course he's going to get mad. That's a defense mechanism. But here's what I would tell you is um there's some there's a good online resource that's got a lot of articles, but also ways that you might be able to reach out to your friend. I would just level with him on the sense of saying, "Hey, look, you know, I'm not trying to insult you or what you believe, but I'm worried about your soul." And so you know, here that's why I care. And, you know, he might find that offensive, but I, I think that that's the truth. And um, and I say, I think if you can speak the truth to him in a loving way, that's going to be effective. 
So uh, there's a website called CARM. It's Christian Apologetics and Research Ministry, C-A-R-M, CARM.org. And if you okay. just type in CARM, C-A-R-M, and then World, World Mission Society Church of God, they have a whole page on, you know, understanding this group, but also how to reach out to them and how to talk to them. So I would recommend you, um, you check out that resource. Okay, I, I, will, I will definitely do that. Let's finish up by just praying for you and your, your colleague. So let's pray. Lord, I pray for Carlos. I thank you for his heart to reach out to his friend, the fact that he cares enough to say, hey, um, you know, I'm worried about where you're at and what you're believing because I believe it's, it's detrimental for your soul. I thank you for that he has that heart. Lord, I pray that his heart would be communicated to his coworker in love. And Lord, I pray that you would open his co-workers eyes to see the truth of your word and see where he might have been led astray and i know that it will require humility on his co-workers part to accept that perhaps what he's even been preaching himself might be wrong but lord i pray that uh, as your word says um, lord that you uh, resist the proud but you give grace to the humble so i pray that lord you would um, you bless carlos in the way that he reaches out to his friend you'd give his friend the uh, the the ability to humble himself before you and receive these words um, of truth. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Carlos, for calling in. God bless you. Yeah, right. brother, thank you. All right. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air. Let's go to Paul in Castle Rock, Colorado. Hi, Paul. Welcome to the program. Hello, Pastor. How are you? Doing great. What's up? Hey, um, I was wondering, I've done a lot of research on it, but I cannot find the uh, scripture that basically states that your salvation, once you are saved, um, that your salvation can never be lost. And I've never been able to, I found a few passages. Unfortunately, I am driving, so I don't have any of my notes, but uh, I figured what the heck with the uh, call in for the radio show here. Awesome. I thought I'd call and see if um, you'd be able to point me in the right direction in regards to that. Yeah, if you're looking for one verse, I might not be able to help you. But um, let's put it this way. This is, there are a lot of teachings in the Bible that we don't mm-hmm. have like one verse that just um, that we build our whole doctrine on. In fact, I, I think if we did have just one verse that we built an entire doctrine on, that that would not be a good thing. You know, we want to find... Um, Excuse me. We want to find doctrines that are shown throughout the whole canon of Scripture. We want to see them in the Old Testament. We want to see them in the prophets. You know, we want to see them in the New Testament. We want to see them spoken about by Jesus, hopefully, um, then talked about in the epistles and perhaps even in the book of Revelation. That's a really strong doctrine, right? So that's like something like the Trinity. Is there one verse that I can point to that proves the Trinity? No, but I, I could show you about 30 verses that together would build a, a very strong case for the Trinity. And um, so uh, this, you know, gets into a, a question that I'm asked a lot. I was just asked this past Sunday. I had a, a lady from our church, actually two two of them come up to me uh, separate from each other and ask me, hey, you know, talk to me about this idea. So it's called uh, eternal security. Sometimes it's called, you know, the in kind of just simple terms, it's called losing your salvation. Um mm-hmm. So one verse that I'll, I'll tell you about that, that is used for this idea that you can't use, lose your salvation is John chapter 10, 
where Jesus is saying that he's the good shepherd. And he says, I will not let the enemy take any of my sheep out of my hand. But again, I, I don't think that that verse alone uh, seals the deal, so to say, or answers the question fully. But I, I think mm -hmm. that here's how I would put it to you. Um, there's these two ways of thinking about this, right? So that there's usually these two uh, ideas are pitted against each other, where on the one hand they say, well, the one group says you can lose your salvation. The other group says that once saved, always saved. That's the, you know, kind of terminology catchphrase that yeah. they use. So losing your salvation and <clears throat> once saved, always saved. Problem is, I don't think that either of those are helpful phrases, nor do I find either of those phrases to be biblical. So let, let's start with the losing your salvation one. Um, the idea behind losing your salvation, here's why I don't think that that's a helpful term. Because it implies that um, what you're doing is something that's happening on accident or apart from your will, right? Like when you lose mm -hmm. your keys or when you lose your kid in the grocery store. You didn't want to. You didn't mean to. It was, a, oops, I lost my kid in the grocery store or I lost my keys. Um, and I don't think that that at all reflects what's happening uh, in the what what the Bible describes about salvation. And, and so let me build this case a little bit for you. Here's how salvation is talked about in the Bible. It's talked about uh, as being born again. It's talked about as being sealed with the Holy Spirit. It's talked about as becoming a child of God, being adopted into his family, right? Being given a new identity and a new name and a new future. Uh, it's talked about as a marriage with God, right? So he talks about it as entering into a covenant relationship with his people, uh, which he describes as a marriage. Okay, so there's there's four ways that salvation is described. So let me just put it this way. If you were to have that taken away, well then, does that mean that you can be unborn again? Does that mean that you can be unsealed with the Holy Spirit? Does that mean that you can be, um, let's say, if you've been adopted by God and brought into his family, does that mean that he will disown his child? Let me ask the next one. Does that mean that you can be, you know, if God has married you in a sense, does that mean that you can, that he'll abandon you or divorce you? So I would say that not only are those concepts, not only are they not found in the Bible, I would say they're actually antithetical to the character of God as found in the Bible. So I think that builds a very strong case for the fact that once you have salvation, it's not something that you kind of willy-nilly lose, like on Tuesday I was saved, and then on Wednesday I stubbed my toe and said a bad word, and now I'm not saved, and then on Thursday I got saved again, right? So it's not something that just ebbs and flows and comes and goes all the time. Now, on the other hand, um, this idea that you can uh, once saved, always saved, I don't find that to be a very biblical or, um, or helpful term either because what it implies is that you just got to tick this box and once you do, you're good to go, right? Like you're, you're done right. and you don't have to think about it again. Here's, the Bible describes salvation in all terms in, the, in this way. It describes it in the past tense. You have been saved, meaning it's something that happened in the past um, that is done, right? Jesus said, it is finished. Secondly, it talks about salvation as something which is ongoing. You are being saved. 
and it uses also the terminology of future. You will be saved. And so have been, are being, will be, it's something that's ongoing. And so we're about to go to break. I'll just wrap it up with this. I believe this. If you are truly saved, then you will always be saved. But you will live out that salvation. It won't just be a ticking the box type of thing. However, um, I think that what like Hebrews chapter 6, for example, describes to us is someone who appeared to be saved, but in reality it turned out that they weren't. So I'll say a few more words after this, uh, after the break about this, but thank you, Paul. It's a great question. Uh, we're going to break. We'll be back in two minutes' time. You're listening to Calvary Live. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon and welcome back to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church um, with you today asking or answering your questions and your text messages, taking your prayer requests. And... Um, the number to call is 303-690-3000, 303-690-3000, or text us, 720-336-0897. Um, Paul was with us just before the break, and I just wanted to say one last comment on uh, what we were talking about with Paul, which was this question of, can you lose your salvation? Is there such a thing as eternal security? Um, and so just one last thought on that was, you know, what we see in Hebrews 6, uh, it shows us somebody who by excuse me, all outward appearances would seem to be a Christian. And yet Paul tells us that that person uh, in the end turned out that they didn't have salvation. And what I think that is, is, is not as much a warning that, hey, you might lose your salvation, so watch it, as much as it is a warning that we all need to at times examine ourselves to make sure we are indeed in the faith. We've been studying James on Sunday mornings at Whitefields, and that's really the kind of the core message of the whole book is examine yourself to see if you're in the faith. And so that's a really important message. But, um, but great question, Paul, and it's one that a lot of people have been asking about. Do we have such a thing as eternal security? And I would say um, that, yes, those who are saved, um, you know, they can have security in their salvation. So let's go to Rabley in Denver, Colorado. Hi, Rabley. Did I pronounce your name right? Heck no, buddy. <laughs> how do you say Rabel. it? Rabel. Rabel. I'm like sorry. I have Rabel. had no idea how to pronounce that. Rabel. Well, yeah. Hey, man. I've been called worse, so we're all good. All right. All so right. what's up? Hey, listen. I got a question. Actually, um, this was presented to me, and I didn't know how to explain it, so I looked it up, and then I... Uh, uh, I, I, I got, I got some, some information and I was just, I was really puzzled. Um, my understanding is that in Isaiah 11, six in my, in my 1996 Bible, it says that the, that the lion will sleep with the lamb. And now in my 2016 NIV, it says that the wolf will sleep with the lamb. Now I yeah. have another, this is going to be, there's going to be two more things with this in okay. Luke. In Luke 17, 34, I'm going to read it to you from what it says here. It says, from my old Bible, it says that a man and a woman will be sleeping, and one will be gone. Then it says that two women will be grinding bread, 
and one will be gone. Now, in this version, in the 2016 version, it says this. Let me find it for you real quick. I'm sorry, sir. Uh, I'm sorry, my glasses aren't quite working too good. But it's going to say this. Hold up. Uh, Where's it at? All right, here it is. I tell you, in the night, there will be two men in one bed. The one will be taken and the other will be left. Two women will be grinding together. The one will be taken and the other will be left. Can you tell me why is it that they omitted man and woman? And why did they omit um, about them grinding bread? Yeah, so can you tell me what the translations are? Okay, uh, this one, the one that I'm looking at here is the NIV, or or I'm sorry, the NKJV, the Holy Bible. This was the one in 2016. Okay. And that's the one that says that two men will be sleeping in the bed, and then underneath it it says two women will be grinding. And then in my 1996 Bible it says a man and and a woman woman will be taken. What translation is your 1996 version? I'm sorry, sir. I don't have that one with me, but it's like a um, it's a it's a big study book. It's a, it's like a study book Bible. This one right, right. here that I'm looking at, I have it in my car, is just a regular Bible. Yeah, no, I, I get that. So here's the deal: is that there are um, different translations of the Bible, and I'll explain. I'll get into yeah. Bible translation a little bit uh, with you after this. You had you had a few questions, uh, and I, I really hear two questions. And if I'm if I'm missing something, please tell me at the end. But um, I'll just yes, answer sir. the first of those. And then, so the first question is, uh, what? why does it not say the lion and the lamb lying down next to each other? Is that correct? That's correct. It says All right. the and wolf then and the lamb. Your, your second question was one regarding Bible translations. Why is there disparity, we would say, or they don't say the same thing amongst different Bible translations? Um, and yeah, I have yeah. great good answers for you on that. I hope they'll be satisfying answers. But um, here, here's the first one: the wolf will live with the lamb. Basically, you know that passage has always been misquoted. I mean, that's that's all it comes down to. I, I'm looking at a whole list right now of about 15 Bible translations on the uh, passage uh, Isaiah 11:6, and they all say the wolf will lie down with the lamb. Um, it's basically just that people have misquoted it and they've said, oh, the lion will lie down with the lamb. The Bible actually says the wolf will lie down with the lamb, which actually is more meaningful because, um, you know, lions don't eat sheep, but wolves do, right? So, um, yeah, so, you know, a, a wolf and a, a sheep, right? a sheep that sheep are eaten by wolves, wolves prey on sheep. And it says this, too. It says the leopard will lie down with the young goat and the calf with the young lion and the fatling together. So there you go. It does mention a calf. Now, is that a, it's probably a, um, you know, a, like a cow uh, will lie down with a young lion. And then it says um, that the child will play at the den of the adder, which is a poisonous snake. And so the point here is this. It's talking about uh, when Jesus returns how the world will be different, right? When Jesus reigns, what will it be like? Well, it tells us it's basically a return to Eden where nature is no longer uh, attacking itself, where sin and death and 
aggression are all things of the past. And it's a world of true peace, right? The Prince of Peace reigns. And uh, even nature is redeemed and at peace. And the, you know, uh, when, you know, a child nowadays, we would never let a child play at the den of an adder. But in, the, in that time, they will because there will be no more sin, no more death. And things will be the way they were originally meant to be. Once again, everything will be restored. That's the great redemption and restoration that we look forward to in Christ. That's when, you know, it's not just that he saves our souls, but that all of creation will be redeemed. It's a glorious, glorious promise and a wonderful truth. So that's Amen. that. And it's just basically a misquotation of the verse that's very common. Okay. Um, but here, your other question is, is more, uh, more in-depth. And that is... Um, why uh, do different Bible translations say certain things? And you ask the question, why do some versions leave out certain words? Now, I think that um, I would really tell you that the short answer to that question is that it's not that some translations are leaving out words. It's that some translations are actually adding words. Now, Revelation, the book of Revelation at the very end, it tells us, that we are not to take away nor to add to the word of God. And um, the question, which is worse, taking away or adding? Well, they're both bad, both. right? Like both bad. they're both they're I would say, maybe equally bad. I'm not sure I can make that judgment call. Right. But they're both bad. They're both yeah, against yeah. the rules. And so here's what this comes down to is that uh, historically, unfortunately, people have tended more to add to the Word of God than they have had uh, to subtract from the Word of God when it comes to Bible translations. Um, I wrote something about this uh, on my blog, my website, that I think would be really helpful for you in making sense. It was a three-part series I did on making sense of different Bible translations. And here's what I'll do for you. If you will give your email address to the producer after we get off the phone together, I'll send you links to that series. And if anyone else out there is listening and you want me to send you links to that series, then text the text line with your email address and I will send you links to that series. The text line for any of you listening are is I'm sorry, is 720-336-0897. Once again, the text line 720-336-0897. So I wrote a whole thing about how Bible translation works. This is something I studied in seminary and um, really got in-depth on it. And here's what it kind of comes down to. There's, there's two basic texts uh, that the New Testament and Old Testament, uh, but particularly New Testament documents, are taken from. And um, one of them is called the received text, and the other one is called the authorized text. And so the, uh, it really, here's what it comes down to. The one is the older documents, and the other one is the majority documents. And so the question is, should we go with the majority documents or should we go with the oldest documents? The issue is this. The, the King James, New King James Version, go off of the majority documents, whereas the newer translations of the Bible go off of the oldest documents. Um, and I might have actually got that mixed up. But here, here's, the, uh, here's the point of it. And here's what I would say is that I'm just trying to make sure I'm getting this right for you. Um, the issue is this. 
should we go with the most reliable documents? The King James Version was translated in the early 1600s using what at that time were the most reliable documents. But that was, um, you know, that was, what, 400 years ago? And in the last 400 years, uh, archaeology and, um, you know, these studies have gotten more reliable documents. And what they found is that there are some things which were in the, the uh, those documents which were used to translate the King James, New King James, which were added in. Now, they never changed the meaning of it. So that's the thing that's really important to understand. There are some differences, but there are things that were added in. And usually when they were added in, they were actually notated that they were added in and that they were um, not only added in, but that they were kind of what we would call a commentary to help make the text more understandable. A good example of this can be found like in Ephesians chapter 2, where um, we see that the King James Version and the New King James Version have some extra words in there that the other translations don't have. Now, some people think, oh no, the new translations are removing words from the Bible. Not true. What's happened is that the older translation was actually using documents in which people had added words. Now, again, it doesn't ever change the meaning. In none of these cases does it change the meaning. Um, but here's what will happen. Any, any Bible you're reading now, if you notice, there will be like uh, notes at the bottom of the page, and they will mention uh -huh. some later documents include these verses. Or sometimes they'll put the verses in brackets, or they'll put them in italics, right? So the New, er, the New King James, the King James Version, at the very beginning of the um, Bible, if you read those first few pages, you know, near the table of content, they will actually uh -huh. have a section that tells you, hey, things in italics were not in the original text, but were probably added later. So here's what that means. It means that whether you're reading a newer translation like the NIV or the ESV, or the NASB, which are all very good, reliable translations, um, they will actually include all the text, but they'll notate that it was probably not in the original text. And the King James and New King James versions also notate that same thing. And so I think you're safe reading either of any of those. You know, I know a lot of people, and I sometimes myself use the New King James version. I think it's great. Um, but I, you know, also use other translations. These are just things that uh, that we need to understand as we study the Bible and read different translations. So, does that help answer your All question? Right, that, that, yeah, that sounds good. Hey, can you do me a favor? Can I get a prayer request, please? Yeah, I've got another caller, but let's. Uh, I'll, I'll take it real quick. Okay, so here it is. You know what? Um, by the grace of God, I'm I'm staying away from uh, alcohol and whatnot, and I I want to still keep fighting the good fight. And I have a, I'm in a beautiful relationship, and I want to make sure that this works out well. So I just want to be a sound mind, sound body, sound man, and I want to be a reflection of Christ. Absolutely. All right, let's pray for you. Heavenly Father, pray for Dustin, and what a noble desire, and what a God-honoring desire that is to want to be a reflection of Christ in a relationship. Lord, I pray that you would enable him by your Holy Spirit within him to do that for your glory and for the good of this relationship. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you, man. God, God bless you. God bless you, too. All right. Bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air today. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or text us at 
0.9597. We've got two open lines, so it's a good time to call in. But let's go right now to Dustin in Hagerstown, Maryland. Hi, Dustin. Welcome to the program. Uh, how we doing, Pastor? How's everything? Awesome. Can you hear me good? I can. Okay, because I, I got this hooked up in my van. I didn't know if you could hear me or not. But, uh, okay, well, that's good. Um, yeah, I have a question. Uh, this past uh, Palm Sunday, we went to church, and we were taking the sacrament. Uh, my little eight-year-old uh, wanted to take the sacrament with us, but our pastor said that he couldn't because he wasn't old enough, and he's eight years old, and he... he and he said that um, he wasn't. Uh, uh, he said he wasn't a believer, and of course he is a. Of course he is a believer, and um, you know. Uh, and, and we asked him, you know, have you uh, received Jesus Christ in your heart? And of course he said yes. And he goes to Sunday school. He's the brightest kid there, and everything. So uh, I, I was just wondering, what was your take on how old and uh, the traditions? You know, uh, what's what's that all about? Yeah. So it really depends on your church and their tradition. Um, I can get into it a little bit more in detail uh, if you'd like. But, you know, I'll just say this, that different churches have different traditions. Some people require a child to be baptized first. Others, uh, even the age, what a, when a child should be baptized, you know, is a question that a lot of churches deal with. Um, so my take on it personally, I think that if they can, if they are of the age where they are able to understand what it is, um, and why we're doing it, and they're taking it with true reverence, you know, in their heart. Um, I, I think that at that point, you know, and that's very subjective, you know, that that's something which, um, you know, on the one hand, somebody might say, oh, that's too subjective because it's just basically up to the parents. Uh, you know, it seems kind of like arbitrary. It's whenever right. the parent feels like it. On the other hand, uh, you could say, well, that's actually good because, um, you know, kids are at different places. You know, one eight-year-old is not going to be the same as the next eight-year-old. Right, exactly. And so, so anyway, that's my take on it. But in a way, that's just my my opinion. I think it's based on some things, which I'll tell you in just a second. But uh -huh. whatever church you're going to and whatever, you know, denomination or group that they're a part of, or even, even within denominations sometimes, uh, you'll find different practices. You know, it's very common for people to say you have to be baptized first. Um, you know, I grew up Lutheran, and in the Lutheran church, you had to be confirmed first. Um, right. You know, and so you had to go through classes in order to be able to go and, um, you know, it was two years of classes in order to be able to take communion. Um, so they, you know, I, I loved the, the education that I got there. Uh -huh. um, but I'm not sure that that um, somehow, you know, needed to be a requirement for somebody to take communion. Uh, other people, other churches I, I've known require you to be a member of their church in order to take communion with them. Um, I, our take on it, you know, is that communion is communion with the Lord and it's communion with the body of Christ. Um and so, you know, you don't need to be a member of our church to take communion with us. And we encourage every person, you know, because Paul says that in 1 Corinthians 11. He says, you know, if you take the sacrament irreverently, meaning communion, if you take communion irreverently, he said, this is the reason why some of you are getting sick and even dying. 
So obviously it's a pretty big deal, right? He says you eat and drink to your judgment. And so right. that that's the issue is like, um, you know, what does that mean, first of all? And secondly, how do we make sure that nobody's eating and drinking to their judgment? Um, here's, here's why it's an issue, and here's why um, baptism is also an issue. Like at what age do you baptize? Is because in the book of Acts, um, what we see is we see people believing and then being baptized. That part's obvious and clear. That's not a question. If you become a Christian, you should believe, you should be baptized, and you should take communion. What we don't have in the New Testament is an example of what we call Christian initiation, meaning, okay, we learn in the New Testament about the first generation of Christians, at people who were becoming Christians out of Judaism or paganism. But what we don't learn about is, okay, well, what about one or two generations down the line? Like if you had a child and you raised that child in the church, at what point do you treat that child as a full-fledged member of the church or even as a Christian? You know, is it when they make a decision? What is the age of decision? At what point are they capable of that? Or should you just baptize them as an infant and raise them as a Christian and then confirm them when they're a little bit older? And so the, what we need to do in that case, since we don't have something directing us in the Bible uh, specifically on that question, is that we... We looked at then to church tradition. We see what did church tradition do. What we find with church tradition is that in the early years of the Christian church, it was actually done by different groups in different places differently. So there were some parts of the early church that did only believers' baptism. And, you know, you could only take communion after you'd been baptized and gone through uh, catechism, right, which is just in basic Christian instruction. Um, that was true in parts of the church. There were other parts of the church where they were, uh, they were baptizing infants. Um, and so th this all had to be, you know, this all has to be taken into account. I guess my point in this is, is this. You should find out what your church's practice is and then find out, you know, if it's something you agree with or don't agree with, then that's a discussion right. you can have after that. Yeah, it was kind of uh, heartbreaking in a way because he said right out in front of us, in front of um, while we were taking communion uh, at our dinner, uh, it was Palm Sunday dinner at our church, he says he can't uh, take it because he's not a believer. And I'm like, what are you talking about he's not a believer? Of course he's a believer. And he and he and he's already said he believes, and we've asked him plenty of questions, you know, and, you know, of course he's a Christian and whatnot, you know, but so that really got me upset. Think it down my our own pastor saying he's not a believer. I mean, my God, he's the best in this Sunday school and, 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 and of course we know as parents if he's saved or not, you know, and of course he is, you know. So sure. Yeah, I, I can mean, understand why you're upset. Um, and and just understand from his perspective, the pastor's perspective, again, like I said, this is something which varies from church to church. Your pastor's wanting to preserve the sanctity of communion, and he's he's wanting to make sure that your son doesn't eat and drink to his condemnation. That's where that's coming from, so maybe just try to try to see it from his place, but I, I kind yeah. of agree with you that I think that it would probably be better for uh, for you to be able to make that call. Right, right. All right, well, I thank you very much, and you have a wonderful day. All right, thank you. God bless you. God Bye -bye. bless you, too. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air. Let's go to 
uh, Bryce in Lakewood, Colorado. Hi, Bryce. Welcome to the program. Hey, Pastor. How you doing? Doing well. What's That's up? great. Uh, hey, I had some questions about uh, kind of like biblical missions and what the church views on missions is. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe even touching on worldview kind of in that aspect. Yeah. Sure. Uh, you know, I don't know if you know this about me, Bryce. I was a missionary for 10 years. Uh, oh, wonderful. Yeah. So I... Right before I moved here to Longmont, I was a missionary uh, for 10 years. I was doing church planting and, uh, and some humanitarian mission work in Hungary. And okay. so, yeah, that's where I met my wife. My wife, uh, also a missionary. Uh, we met out oh, there. Wow. And uh, we had kids out there, and we planted two churches. So I'll tell you, yeah. um, I have lots of thoughts on this. So, I mean, this, you kind of give yeah, me a Yeah, please. A you know, broad I'm, I'm one question. of the big reasons I'm calling, too, is yeah. so I've been in missions for about, like, six years. And I always come back, and I'm always kind of met with, you know, I'm from here. I'm always met with the same kind of confrontations. And I, you know, and sometimes, you know, I've been wading through the Word and some different studies, but I just thought I would call. You know, I, I listen to you guys, like, pretty habitually daily. So, cool. um, yeah, man. Yeah. I'll say this, that the, the church, there's a really great saying on this. I'm going to look it up while we're talking uh, real quick, but although we are running out of time. But uh, there's a great saying by Emil Bruner, who's a uh, missiologist, and he said basically the church, uh, I'll just kind of paraphrase it. He said the church yeah. lives by mission just as a fire burns by oxygen, right? Like, in other mm-hmm. words, um, mission is central to Christianity. If you take it away from Christianity, you have taken away its very heart. Um, And I would put this way. The whole Bible is the story of God's mission. The fact that uh, there was a problem and God didn't remain passive. He actively went on a mission, a mission to seek and save that which is lost. He left his home. You could even say he's the first and truest foreign missionary, right? So he left heaven, came to earth in order to reach us in order to speak our language and walk our streets and become one of us in order to reach us with the truth and ultimately to bring us salvation. Um, man, I have, uh, I don't even yeah. know where to start on this topic, but let, <laughs> let me just... you out there in Longmont or what? Yeah, we're in Longmont now. Okay. Um, so there's a few things I think about this. You know, the mission of God is a mission for the whole world, right? It's a mission okay. um, to seek and to save the lost. There's a sense in which the, God's mission field is this whole earth. And, uh, you know, I believe that God doesn't see the, the earth as having political borders in the way that we do. He sees the earth as a whole, right? So he says that God so loved the world. And uh, that's his mission field. He sent his son uh, to save the world. And so I, what that means to me is this, that the, the mission field of God is the world. And I can be on mission for God in Boulder County just as much as I can in Hungary. Exactly. Um, at the same time, there is another sense in which there, there are special needs in special places, right? Yeah. Like there are yeah. great needs. And there are maybe greater needs. And, and I guess... I I remember I went on my first mission trip. I was 18 years old. And then I went on my second mission trip like two weeks later. And then I moved to Hungary six months after that to live there full time. uh, And then stayed there for 10 years. Um, And I remember after that first trip, um, I was just overwhelmed with this sense that, um, that there are places in the world where there are great needs for the gospel and where there are great needs to strengthen the body of Christ. And then there are other places in the world where the body of Christ is strong. 
And I was just overcome with this sense that it is the obligation of the body of Christ in the areas where we are strong and have resources to, um, to help and to support the work of God in places that are weak and don't have resources. Mm, and that's so, a big deal. yeah, so here we are in America and, you know, even here in Longmont, right, there are churches all over the place and that, you oh, know, yeah, they're prosperous. pretty, and, and good churches even, right? There are good churches and, and I'm happy for that. But you know what that means? It means we have a really big need to use the resources we have, whether mm -hmm. those are human resources or whether financial resources and to fund the work of God around the world. And maybe that means going yourself. I remember I was 18. I didn't have any money, but I had myself. Yep. And I said, well, I can't give any money, but I can give myself. So mm. I'm going to need to let you go, Bryce. But let me yeah, just uh, pray you. for no, you and pray for is, missions. Um, God really spoke through you. So thank you. Cool. You bet. Heavenly Father, would you please send workers into your mission field? Do your work through us, whether it's by us being here on mission or going abroad. Lord, use us, we pray, and send us in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Amen. Bryce. Appreciate you. Hey, thank you, All Pastor. Right. Have a great day. You've been listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church. I will be with you again later this week. God bless you, and have a great evening. been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's Word.